She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We have one of the greatest blessings ever to be living in this country at this time. There's a culture war brewing right now, and it's a culture war different. It's a different one from the 80s and 90s. It's one fundamental question. What is America? You are on the front lines of the war against communism coming back to America under the guise of democratic socialism. I want everyone to take to heart Donald J. Trump is never going to let it happen. And as he said to Congress, America will never be a socialist country. Uh, there, are, there are a whole group of people that say you can have a faith, just leave it over there. Just don't bring it out of your house. And one of the greatest challenges we have to religious liberty in this modern day is people that actually claim a faith that don't live their faith. I, I tell people all the time, if you have a faith, live your faith. People that only practice their faith on weekends, I try to remind them, things that you only do on weekends are called a hobby. And now, Stacy Washington. Welcome back to the program. Hour two of Stacy on the Right here, live and direct to you from CPAC. 2019, and it's my pleasure to welcome. He's actually been on the show a few times before, so this is not inaugural or anything. But we had dinner together last night for this organization. He 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 gets all these radio industry and media professionals together, and we all sit down and have. I had a cowboy ribeye, which <laughs> I can't tell you. You know, if you if you invite me to dinner and feed me a cowboy ribeye, you got cred with me that lasts. That that credibility it lasts beyond the dinner itself. And so I said to him last night, "You will swing by, will you not?" And he, true to form, emails me, like, I think it was an hour ago, and he's like, what time do you, like, I'm swinging by, right? I'm like, yes, thank God. So we have Horace Cooper. He's one of the co-chairs of Project 21, uh, along with me. And I, I'm, I'm so excited about CPAC this year, besides the fact that I get to broadcast from Radio Row for the first time. Also because I feel like there's a different energy under President Trump and under the, the kind of swamp mechanism that we see operating there's still a lot of hope and a lot of things that we can get done in the remaining two years of President Trump's run. And then I think, I'm not sure if you're making announcements today on the show about possibly some things you're working on, but you just you just go for whatever you've got going on. Horace Cooper, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be on the program, and I'm really excited about the next two years of the Trump administration. I'm very excited about what's going to happen uh, with the United States of America's economy. I'm very excited about what's going to happen in white American households. I'm very excited about what's going to happen in black American households. I'm excited because the policies that this president has been able to put forward over the objections of most of the Democrats, and unfortunately, even some of the Republicans, mm -hmm. are the needed policies for America. People have waited too long. They sat through the Barack Obama eight-year experiment in socialism, and they discovered <clears throat> that it was the pork and beans and wieners phase that they were supposed to live through and think it was great. Why can't Americans get a brand new pickup truck? Why can't Americans go on vacation to see grandma or just go to, to meet with the family for Thanksgiving? Guess what? Since Donald Trump has been president, 
we've set a record of new car purchases. Now everyone says, well, of course there's more vehicles being purchased. There's more people, the population has grown. But that's not true. Under the Barack Obama administration, we set records for low automobile purchases. We set records for the most staycations. It's a glamorous way of saying, I can't afford a vacation, mm -hmm. and so I'm just going to hang out at home. And we set records for falling air travel. Under Donald Trump, more Americans went on their first vacation in 10 years. Mm. Under Donald Trump, we bought more vehicles. Under Donald Trump, more people got to go someplace for Thanksgiving. This is how the American dream is supposed to work. The government helps you to have more in your pocket, not hinders you. So that's what I'm excited about. So, Horace, you just laid that out there with, uh, you know, data and statistics. So you're you're not just trumpeting um, maybe some talking points or something that someone told you, look, this this will sound good on radio or you're going to CPAC. Here's here's a list of things you should say. We're talking about actual quantifiable evidence that policies are helping Americans. So when I uh, first came to Washington, D.C., my boss, Dick Armey, used to quote this country western song, who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? <laughs> what the Democrats say to the American people every day under the Trump administration, ignore that raise you just got. Ignore the fact that instead of having no money left over at the end of the month, you've got enough money left over so that you can take your son or your daughter out for the extracurricular activities at school or even or even a tutor so that they can get ahead or even get them out of that school into a private or school. even get them out here's the point you can try to tell people that they're not doing better but they know better about whether they're doing better or not when barack obama was president he told us this is the best it's going to be. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be a struggle. I mean, talk about low expectations. Absolutely. It was just a continual lowering of the bar and the lowering of what he told us to expect. Now, I know for me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a Bible thumper extraordinaire. I'm one of those people he talked about when he said clinging to their guns and their religion. And I just prayed. I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm having a panic attack. This man has been elected. It's obviously judgment time. But please help <laughs> us to do well and, ha you know, give us give us the means to work and earn a living and not be impacted by the fact that this man is the president. And I don't know if it was just my day or what, but God was like, just work and you're going to get what you need. And we did. We did well under President Obama. And I think a lot of people did. But the ones who were at the bottom rungs, who didn't already have set up the structures that they need in, you know, in, in a good marriage, two incomes or one income that's more than adequate in, a, in an environment where it's safe, where the schools are fine, people who didn't have already set themselves up for success had a really hard time moving Absolutely. from one level to the next under President Obama, where with President Trump, we actually have a 7,000 job, or I'm sorry, 7, 7, million, million, 7 yes. million job surplus. And I just don't see people talking about that on CNN or MSNBC. Yeah, well, you know, it's a great religion that the left has. And they've got two of their great uh, evangelists, one is called MSNBC, the other is called CNN, and those two evangelists try to talk to the choir about why the real problem is what Michael Cohen, convicted liar, <laughs> has to say and not what's actually important to us. Here we have in the United States of America a very, very consequential question. What's going to happen on the Korean Peninsula? 
And we have a president that has looked around and said, for 40 plus years, this problem has festered. We haven't resolved it. I'm prepared to undertake steps to do something about it. Rather than say, let's focus on that, they say, oh, no, no, let's get some guy who has already been convicted of lying. Let's bid a, a whole day in Washington, D.C., all the cameras, all the focus, all of the attention. Let's send out little Twitter alerts updating every 10 or 15 minutes about that. They have a religious view and they have religious adherence. It's just that the gospel that they preach is not a gospel that will save you, it's not a gospel that will lead to success. It's a gospel of misery. Well, I I I mean I'm I agree with you, but I think what makes it most real Yeah, um what makes it most real for me is that one of the things that is actually happening is we're talking about real people. And so for some families, they really are finding themselves in a place they've never been in before. And other families, uh, during the Obama administration, they couldn't even fathom this. And right. so it's the same people, right? The same people who were struggling under Barack Obama are now seeing doors open, they're seeing bonuses, they're seeing opportunity for advancement where they can leave their company and have their company fight to keep them stay. And I think that's a modicum of success. Uh, where can people find more of what you're doing and get a chance to, you know, interface with your work? Check us out at www.nationalcenter.org or you can follow us on Twitter at Project 21. Fantastic. So, Horace, thank you for dinner. Thank you for coming on the show today. Always a pleasure. Always good to see you and talk to you. Horace Cooper, he's, you know, an attorney, obviously. Um, I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV. But I do enjoy getting to chat with the experts, and Horace is one of those. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, so we will be having more for you. We're actually going to be speaking to Brandon Tatum, who I can see from my seat here. I'm just going to wave him over. Um, we, I'm, so this is another. I, I love it when I have just fantastic guests after fantastic guests after fantastic guests. And Brandon Tatum is no different. He is a former law enforcement professional, and he he's known for his viral videos where he's just... He's laying it down, the truth, things that we can't learn on our own. And when I say we can't learn them on our own, well, we're not in law enforcement. Um, we, we don't have that background. We haven't worked with immigrations and customs enforcement, border patrol, all of that. Brandon has. He's done these things. And so first off, tell us who you are and what you do. I want you to introduce yourself to the audience. I hope to speak to you again many times, but this is your first time on the show. Well, my name is Brandon Tatum. I'm the director of urban engagement with Turning Point USA. I'm a former police officer in uh, Tucson, Arizona. So your videos go viral because you tell the truth about things that we can't find out on our own. We don't. I don't know any border and customs enforcement agents. I I know law enforcement people. My dad's in law enforcement, but not in the arena that you were coming out of, where you were doing a lot of drug interdiction and working with some of the roughest environments. MS-13, uh, you know these cartels bringing drugs into the country. What do you want Americans to know about? Because there's there's a pervasive lie that this is not a problem. It's a manufactured crisis at the southern border. I don't believe that. I've been hammering this issue for ever, ever since I got on radio. I've always talked about the border needing to be secure. But what do people need to know? What's most important? I think the most important thing, they need to know the truth. Uh, outside of politics and outside of rhetoric, they need to understand that this is a real crisis that's going on. And there's people in law enforcement and citizens who live in border states and border cities and counties who are experiencing 
these these influxes in drugs and crime and all of the all of the things that I feel like the president has been talking about and people at the border have been talking about. It's a real issue. People are literally dying and getting put in body bags because they're overdosing on drugs and fentanyl and you know the things that are associated with 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 drug sales and all of the above and I, I think that those things need to be addressed. They need to be addressed accurately and people should know the truth. So let's talk a little bit about the the methodology by which we can solve this problem. When I think about this, I've, I've seen so many great suggestions. I've even come up with some ideas on my own that I've tweeted out. I'm like, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Um, the president is looking for some funding to put the wall up because that then funnels resources, people, actual professionals to the areas where we need them to stop the drugs that are coming in the legal ports of entry. And he's already working on building the wall. He's already got pieces of wall that were there that they weren't there five years ago or a year ago because he's actually doing what he said he was going to do. What else do you think are the most like priorities for getting our borders secure besides the wall and the funding that he's getting for that? Um, I think that's a, which is, those are all big issues. But I think that we need to start really enforcing the laws that are on the books. I mean, because if you don't do them all in conjunction, none of it matters. If you put put a border wall, but when people come to the country or they come through ports of entry and are they overstaying visas mm-hmm. and we don't deport these people, then it, it's it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Or if you don't have a wall and people are coming over here and you deport them and then you don't have a wall to, to stop them from coming back over here, you have an issue. I think that we need to enforce the laws that are on the book and we need to stand strong as it relates to this anchor baby thing. Mm-hmm. It is not appropriate, reasonable to, to, to be able to be a citizen of another country, mm-hmm. come to America, have a child, and that child somehow becomes American. You don't, we, Americans can't go to other countries and do that. People shouldn't be able to come here. You know, the, the 14th Amendment was made for black folks. Mm-hmm. This, this has nothing to do with illegal people coming into this country. This is something that was owed to black folks working hard and helping build this country. So we need to stand strong on those principles surrounding the laws that already exist. If we can do that, I think we can curb um, illegal immigration. Wow. You should do more radio. I don't know how much you do because you just perfectly ended. We have like 30 seconds left in this segment. Tell us where we can find you and follow you and, and keep up with everything you're doing. The Officer Tatum on all of my social media. If you can't remember that, you could go and Google Brandon Tatum. you see me everywhere. Thank you, guys. You will. YouTube. His videos are amazing. If you want to be fired up about an issue, watch the Brandon Tatum videos. Thank you for coming on. I hear the music. We're going to be right back with more, everybody. It was Stacy on the right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Keep it here. on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's MediShare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than 25 years. MediShare members report saving around $500 a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster and say hello to MediShare. 
Call star star 345 to find out how much you can save on your health care. MediShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star 345. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Alex Berenson is a journalist who tended to be a libertarian when it came to drugs, but a conversation with his wife changed his perspective. She worked as a senior psychiatrist at the institution housing people diagnosed with psychotic disorders, like schizophrenia. She mentioned in passing that, of course, a patient had been smoking pot all his life. He asked why she said, of course, only to find out that all of them smoke marijuana and that he should check it out. He did. The medical literature is replete with links between marijuana, mental illness, and even violence. But you would never have heard that. Berenson says he has never seen a story where the gap between insider and outsider knowledge was so great or the stakes so high. At a time when most states are legalizing marijuana use, medical professionals are finding greater dangers with increased marijuana use. In his article and radio interview, he cited medical literature that challenges many of the myths perpetuated by advocates of medical marijuana and marijuana legalization. We're told that marijuana has many different medical uses. Actually, it's been shown to work in just a few narrow conditions. And we're also told that it's very effective for pain relief, yet it does not seem to be the case. As I've mentioned in previous commentaries, the National Academy of Medicine found that cannabis use is likely to increase the risk of developing schizophrenia and other psychoses. The higher the use, the greater the risk. Berenson then explains how this can lead to more violence. Most schizophrenics are not violent, but the latest medical literature has found that a percent of them are more violent. These are the scientific facts that deserve our attention, especially as other states consider drug legalization. I'm Kirby Anderson. And that's my point of view. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You see, they're not going to be content to simply... Ignore the last four words of that Second Amendment, shall not be infringed. They intend to repeal all 27 words and then confiscate every privately owned firearm in our country. They want to disarm you. No Second Amendment, no individual freedom, no civilian ownership ownership of firearms, period. The Second Amendment is actually the purest metaphor for freedom. Because if you're not free to defend yourself and your loved ones, then you're really not free at all. Our Second Amendment is unique. There's no other country that has anything like it. But if the disarmament movement succeeds in taking over our government, every one of those God-given individual rights, liberties, and freedoms guaranteed by our Constitution will be up for grabs. That means the America we know now will be no longer will cease to exist. Hey, welcome back to the program. It's Stacy Washington, host of Stacy on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. It's my pleasure to welcome our next guest. It's Dr. William J. Murphy of Good Government Now. He's coming on to talk about this proposed inherent contempt enforcement rule for the United States House of Representatives. The website is goodgovernmentnow.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Stacy. Thank you for having me. Great so to be with you. I'm really fascinated by what you have here. We're talking about contempt enforcement. So explain to me and the listeners exactly what it is you're trying to do. 
Sure, this is very simple. We're looking at the problem of when the United States Congress issues a subpoena or requests in information from the executive branch of government and they encounter difficulties where there's a refusal either to show up to Congress to testify oh, or yeah. to deliver to l deliver documents. We've seen this. We've seen this happening. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's been, been on the rise. Uh, the, there's really a bad kind of historical trajectory to this, and it's been getting uh, increasingly worse, particularly the last, the last few years. And really, I think the crux of the problem is that through a variety of circumstances, Congress has lost the ability to impose significant punishment on individuals, personal punishments on individuals, for refusing to obey legitimate congressional subpoenas. And this proposal and a couple of others we have are designed to try to restore this capacity to Congress so that its information requests will be respected. So you have on your fact sheet here that Congress stopped employing inherent contempt after 1935 for three reasons. What were those? Uh, essentially, uh, it took too long. The inherent contempt requires that Congress conduct a trial to determine if someone is uh, in, uh, guilty or, or innocent of, of a contempt and then it punishes them. Those trials had to take place on the floor of the House or the Senate. They were taking multiple days and that was very inconvenient because neither chamber could do any other legislative business. So that was one. The second was that they used to arrest people and, and put them in jail, basically. And as soon as you do that, they would file what's known as a habeas corpus petition to challenge the legitimacy of their detention. So mm -hmm. that further delayed the program uh, or the process. And then the third thing was just it, the process was of arresting and detaining people was just seen as unseemly, particularly if you're dealing with executive branch officials who are public servants and they've probably mm. had a career in public mm -hmm. service. Uh, so uh, for, for all of those reasons, they it just was allowed to fall into disuse. So what do you... I, 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 what I hate is they'll say this one's subpoenaed to come before Congress and then that person will just say, I'm not going. And then right. the news will report that they're not going and then they don't go. And I often I feel as a regular person that if I were to say to a government official, I'm not coming or I, you, know, you can't make me, that they would say, yes, we can and they would make me. So it seems as if it's unequal enforcement. It's conservatives who are continually kind of bludgeoned with the hammer of the law and and liberals and Democrats just kind of don't they just don't show up they just they just don't feel the need to answer to these types of things yeah I, I think we can look at that of a couple of levels but essentially I think what you're saying is 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 right um, and uh, you know at, at one level we could say as a, you know, you mentioned sort of as a private citizen, I mean, if you had parking tickets or a speeding ticket and you didn't go to court, mm -hmm. you could have significant problems. The, the, the court could take, could take action uh, against you. So, you know, on, on relatively minor matters, if the, if the average citizen is held to a, a pretty high Paint your garage standard. the wrong color. Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're talking stupid stuff. You bet. Yep. Plant the wrong mm -hmm. kinds of plants in your front yard that they, like tomato plants. You can't yep. have gardens in your front yard. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. You. So the bottom line there is in every case, a, a signif there's a credible threat of punishment mm -hmm. for you as an individual. And, and it makes me do it, what they've it asked. It shapes your behavior. Yes, That's exactly yes. right. I, I so, actually pay the parking ticket because I don't want them to 
level more fines that would stack up to make me lose my license or my, you know, whatever. You bet. And we can even make it simpler than that. Every parent knows who has a child of whether that child sees our, if we <laughs> say we're going to punish them or not. If they don't believe that, they pretty much do what they want. Yeah, they do. So it's, it's very similar. It's a, it's a very basic principle of, of human nature. So, um, you know, where Congress needs to get that back. Another problem with this is, in addition, that makes the, the decline of inherent contempt more significant is that um, the executive branch has stopped enforcing the criminal contempt statute for about the last 11 years. So right now when you hear someone held in contempt of Congress, essentially what's supposed to happen is the Department of Justice is supposed to present that to a grand jury. Mm -hmm. They're refusing to do that now. So with that gone, there's no threat of jail or a fine for people through the criminal statute. So there's there's literally that that is why there is no threat of, of punishment now and that needs to be brought back so um i want to give everybody the website as we wrap up the interview i i think this is super important but it's it's not one of those super like you know the the kind of viral issues no but this goes to the very heart of whether or not our congressional members are able to, to get information they need to possibly prosecute someone and to to give government officials Really, they need to be taken down a peg so they don't believe that they're above the law. Um, where can people find out more about what you're doing and support it? Yes, at our website, uh, goodgovernmentnow.org. Uh, that would be uh, all of the information that we've just discussed is, is available there. And, and I'll just say in closing, you're absolutely right. It's really about whether the people retain control of government or not, because the Congress are our elected representatives. Mm -hmm. People who are not elected, who are executing policies that Congress directs, must obey and answer to Congress and to the taxpayers. That's what's been lost. That's what we have to reassert. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I, I we will speak to you again about this. You bet. I will be looking forward to it. All Thank right, you so much. Perfect. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. So and our next guest is a friend of mine who he hails from the great state of Missouri, but he lives in a town called Tarkio. And his, you know, claim to fame is Americans for Prosperity. He does so many good things. Uh-oh. Let's see. Which one is that? That is number three. I'm going to turn up his microphone here. Um, work with me. I'm on live radio. Check, check. Oh, one, two. there we are. He's right there. Mm. Um, oh, and I see Maj Touré, who's going to come over and talk to us as well. Um, can I have five minutes? Okay. So we are talking with Dwayne Lester. Dwayne Lester works for Americans for Prosperity. And, you know, I want to be honest with you. I know you do a bunch of things for them, but what is your official title with AFP? Well, it just changed. Uh, first of the year, I became the content and trainer development manager, which means I'm kind of responsible for making sure that our, our training is uh, as empowering and as effective as it can be and our trainers are world class. So. so you're training the people who go out and train the people who make activism happen. We're, we're training anyone who wants to learn how to make a difference in their community to break through to break through barriers that are keeping people from reaching their full potential. So if there are uh, barriers that are external to the person, maybe maybe there's a government barrier that says you have to have a specific license to do something. And that government uh, license is, is, you know, unjust. We'll help you break through that. We'll teach you the skills you need to, to organize people to make a difference. Maybe there are internal barriers. One of the biggest internal barriers that I've seen is this idea that if government doesn't do it, it won't be done. So talk to me a little bit about, like, I think one of the things that's so interesting about AFP is it's so polarizing. Like, 
So I really enjoy Americans for Prosperity a lot. They've put on a lot of conferences that I've been to where I've gotten training. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot. I know uh, quite a few people who work for AFP, and I feel like it's the caliber of the person. When they go work for an organization, that tells me a lot about the organization. So I know a lot of people like yourself who I've known for years, so it's you know not a recent meeting. You, Demetrius Minor, so many other people. Um, and you guys all work for AFP, but the reputation is that it's some Koch brothers arm and y'all just... Y'all just go out there and y'all smash puppies and you stomp on the <laughs> neck of the little man, the working man. What is the truth about the organization now that you've been there for a while and, and you've worked in different capacities? What can you tell us about AFP that maybe we don't know? Well, there's, there's <clears throat> it's all true. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Stomping puppies in 10 minutes <laughs> the, the right after this hit. <laughs> AFP, uh, Americans for Prosperity and Americans for Prosperity Foundation, which I'm, I'm a part of uh, in, through the Grassroots Leadership Academy, they're part of a larger seminar, larger network of organizations that exist for, for one reason, to break barriers, to break through the barriers that are holding people back from their, their potential. That's what our entire mission is about. So, it, like I said, it could be something as simple as, as that, me, that mental internal barrier that if government doesn't do it, it won't be done. And so we, we help people realize there are other institutions in society that can handle a lot of the problems we've turned over to government. Things community should be doing that we've turned over to government. You know, for example, <clears throat> when, when you have a problem with something your neighbor's doing, how often do people actually go and talk to their neighbor? That's a weird concept to a lot of people. Instead, who do they call? You see that I'm giving you all this side eye. I'm like, I don't go to my neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> but we go, you know, when someone has a problem with their neighbor, how often do they call the cops or go to City Hall or talk to them? Because we, we have turned to government to solving so many of our problems that community could solve or business could solve or education could and, solve. And, and what you're saying is if we go to the neighbor and talk, even if we have it takes us a while to hash it out, if we keep the government out of it, that means no new laws, no new regulations, no new uh, infringements on people's rights. Right, right. And, you know, one of, the, one of the, I don't know how much time we have, but this story, I had someone... Uh, uh, you got a couple minutes. I was telling someone, you know, if, if someone's lighting cherry bombs at 1030 at night on July 3rd, because in my town... The ramp up to 4th of July is nothing but complaining about people doing things they shouldn't. And my response is always the same. Yes, we should really look to government to decide when we can celebrate our freedom. <laughs> doesn't make much sense. No, it doesn't. But if, if your neighbor's blowing up cherry bombs at 1130 at night and you need to go talk to them, that should not be the first time you've talked to your neighbor. Because if you talked to your neighbor before that, he'd know you work in the morning. And you should, he shouldn't be doing that because you have a relationship that he respects. Mm. And so since we turn to government so often, we don't have those relationships to so turn to. So we just to. call 911 and then yeah. that's a police visit and now you're really, you and your neighbor don't get along. Exactly. And yeah, I love, what I love about this concept that you're elucidating right now is that this is the very heart of community and learning how to deal with people and it's messy and it stinks, but it's better than letting the government be in charge of every interaction that goes on in your subdivision or your neighborhood or your town. Right. It's much better than that because a government official is going to come in and they're going to say no cherry bombs after 10 PM, 365 days a year. That's the new law. A government official will make it so that no one can do it. When the reality is maybe you don't want cherry bombs going off on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, but Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, it's no big deal yeah. because, you know, the, the neighborhood is, it, it's the work schedule or it's the people around. And that might morph when your older neighbor moves out and a younger family moves in. They might be cherry bombs on Thursday nights as well in yep. the, the week of 4th of July where another person wouldn't. So 
you're you're really advocating for this common sense. It's almost so basic, it's like laughable, like we don't need to advocate for that, but we do because we have more regulations now than ever. Even with President Trump rolling them back at the federal level, at the local level, everything you do from the time you put your trash out to the color you paint your mailbox, everything is regulated because some neighbor didn't like something someone else did and they went to the government instead of going to each other. Right, and you see this so often and you go back and look at uh, go back to when this country started Alexis de Tocqueville wrote about it in Democracy in America he wrote when Americans want something done they form associations where 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 a lord might do it in France or or you know a king might do it in in Great Britain Americans form an association and they get things done through associations through through voluntary mutually beneficial associations we've lost that because yeah. so often we turn to government well i'm I'm kind of depressed by the the way it's kind of spread rampantly. Like when I say the the color of the garage or the color of the mailbox, the reason I use those examples so frequently is because in St. Louis, even yeah. in the tiniest, poorest municipalities, they have rules about like what color you can paint your garage or your garage door. And you, this may be a detached garage that's in your backyard that your neighbors can only see the back neighbor can only see when they're in their garage. So if you painted it the color that you like. It doesn't really impact but one family, and they're probably not looking. But because of some dispute between some people many, many eons ago, now everyone's getting fined because maybe all the paint they had in their garage was the tan color, Mm -hmm. and tan's the color you can't paint it. They paint the, the garage tan because they've got a code enforcement violation because the garage is unpainted because they repaired it from the last storm. And now they've got a violation from their subdivision or their town because it's the wrong color. So a person feels like... I can't get this right. I, I just tried to repair my garage, and they're hitting me. I need to paint it. I paint it. Now they're hitting me for painting it the wrong right. color. That's what encourages people to disregard laws, to maybe be more disgruntled, to not support local government. It just it creates a, like a snowball that just keeps on barreling faster downhill onto ourselves. And worse than that, I, I, I'm not sure it was, if it was Ferguson or Delwood, is Delwood uptown down there? Mm-hmm. Uh, or another one of those. There were fines for having mis- mismatched blinds in your windows. Mm-hmm. You get a fine. Then what happens from that? So what if you can't pay the fine? So now there's a bench warrant for your arrest. So now you go, now you go to jail. Now now you, and, you and try you to get out of jail. And you can't afford to get bail. Yes. You can't afford to get bail. You're now talking you, about now that, you, that expose, 18 now, months. Yeah, now yeah. you lose your yeah. job. Okay. Yeah. And, and it just, from, from what? For not having the right color blinds makes no sense. It feels like communism. Like it, you should be able to pick your own blinds, even if they're not pretty. And, and this is the overreach of government because nobody's paying attention to that. If, if I had a tr- problem with my neighbor's blinds, and I don't know why I would, but I, you know what I'd do? I'd actually go talk to my neighbor. Yeah. And if, if you don't like them, offer to buy some new ones. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't be that person. F- fix the problem yourself. Offer to fix it yourself. Okay. Dwayne Lester. First of all, I feel like my sore eyes have been, they've been assuaged. (laughs) I've seen you. I've gotten a chance to talk to you. Uh, It's been too long. Thank you for coming on the show today. Dwayne Lester, Americans for Prosperity. What website can we go Uh, to? You can go to gla.americansforprosperityfoundation.org. Fantastic. Thank you for your time today. That's the music. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Keep it here for more Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Have you ever met someone who seems to be exactly where they should be and in control of life in a way you only can imagine? Many of us spend our whole lives looking for that place, and it's only the one who made us who can tell us where we were created to be. And he has. 
There are six words in the Bible that answer our why am I here question. It's speaking of Jesus Christ when the Bible says all things were created by Him and for Him. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus and you're going to have a big hole in your heart until you have Jesus. The sins of a lifetime have left us far away from the one we were made for. And that's why Jesus came and died for our sins, to remove the wall between us and our Creator. If you want to know what that feels like and have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call us at 888-NEED-HIM or visit us online at chataboutjesus.com. Doc, I've been feeling a little out of sorts lately. Can you help? Well, let's try a few questions. What do you think of when I say the word Roku? Oh, my wife and I used to love that dance when we were younger. (laughs) Yes, I'd say you're a little out of touch. What do you recommend? I recommend you listen to AFR, American Family Radio, available on Apple and Android products, Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku. And then we'd whip, and then we'd nay-nay. Oh, it was wonderful. Chris Brooks. We cannot underestimate the responsibility of evangelism. That is why shows like this, Equipped, which is committed to equipping you every day to live, share, and defend your faith are extremely important because anyone who does not confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is outside of God's saving grace. Equipped, weekdays at noon central on Urban Family Talk. It's The Candidates with Brett Baer. Julian Castro, former Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, announced his presidential run at a rally in San Antonio. It's time for a new commitment to make sure that the opportunities that I've had are available to every American. Charles Hurd, opinion editor for the Washington Times. He's running for vice president and uh, <laughs> is probably in a very good uh, very good position to, to do that. Amy Walter, national editor of the Cook Political Report. Of course, he may be competing with another Texan, Beto O'Rourke, for the favorite son of Texas Award. Chris Steyerwald, Fox News politics editor. The person who's going to go up against Donald Trump is going to have to be tough and is going to have to be thick-skinned and have to be able to deal with it. But he does not seem like he has been through the the ringer. He does not seem like he is battle-tested. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. I'm Brett Baer, and we'll see you next time. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I've been to Appalachia. I've been to the border. I've been to Native American reservations. I've been to inner cities. It's the same pain. Poverty, addiction, and a broken criminal justice system in red counties and blue, blue cities, wherever you go. And neither party has done enough for the people at the bottom who have those three issues. And yet, and I have to say this, Trump on poverty did opportunity zones, on addiction did opioid package, and on criminal justice did first step. And I'm here to say on those three issues, I will work with or against any Republican or any Democrat to help the people that neither party has helped for way too long. Welcome back to the program. We are still broadcasting live from CPAC, and CPAC, CPAC 2019. The hashtag is hashtag CPAC 2019. You can see the pictures and all the fun stuff that's going on here. Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Peggy Hubbard, who happens to live just over the river from me in Illinois. And she is running against 
I, did I hear this right? Dick Durbin. Yes. Okay, so you are going to be uh, in for a treat listener land of American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Peggy is known for her viral videos and for, I, I, am, I, am I right? You ride a motorcycle. I ride a Harley. Yes, she rides I do. a Harley. <laughs> she happens to be of the permanent tan like myself, and she goes around telling the truth, especially about law enforcement. You're a law, law enforcement supporter. And now you've decided that you've had enough of Dick Durbin and you want to unseat him and bring usher in some common sense for the Illinois side of, uh, you know, he's a senator. I mean, this would be fantastic. Well, Stacy, the thing about it is Dick Durbin has been in office for so long and the 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 cities and the towns that he represents especially East St. Louis, Allerton, Washington Park and Brooklyn these are forgotten communities and broken communities and they have gone ignored for so long it is time to put somebody in office that's going to speak out and stand up for the people so talking about Dick Durbin first of all he's he's pretty awful like He's pretty universally hated by people on the right side of the political spectrum. But what specifically would you be bringing to that office as a senator that he clearly is not bringing? How do you contrast yourself? Dick Durbin's uh, fatal flaw is he looks at the zip code of the individuals. I mean, I live in Belleville, which is three miles from East St. Louis, as you know. Mm -hmm. And my zip code... I have better schools, I have stores, I have all kind of commerce. In East St. Louis, there is nothing there. In Washington Park and Allerton, there's nothing there. And the, the election fraud is rampant. I mean, I caught people cheating in the last election. So, and he doesn't care about that because I'm assuming the cheating was in the favor of the Democrats. Yes, it was. So you would bring back some integrity to that. And, you know, Illinois is a pretty blue state, not because the entire state is blue. No. Much of the state is really red. Right. But population-wise, the concentration is in Chicago. Now, we've seen that number go down a lot. Uh, Illinois Policy Institute reports regularly about the outflux of people moving out of Chicago because of the corruption, the tax rates, and all of that. But it's still enough population there to skew these elections to the left. How do you plan to... Uh, to kind of win, do you have to win them over, or do, or is it just the outstate that you need? Well, it's 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 if you look at South Side of Chicago, where they had the highest shooting rate in the country last year, they had over sixty. I'm sorry, they had over six thousand three hundred and ninety-seven people shot. Out of that number, over one hundred and eighteen children were murdered. Now, when Dick Durbin was asked to take part in 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 town hall meetings to talk about the crime, to talk about what's going on in the black community, just like East St. Louis, Allerton, Washington Park. The only time we see Dick Durbin is when he's ready to be elected again. And I found a street, and I've been telling this story, I found a street in East St. Louis, the hole in the street was 37 feet wide and 27 feet deep. They have the highest property taxes. And when I ask people, why didn't you go and talk to your city government about it, they're afraid. They are afraid of retribution, and they're afraid of reprisals from the city government. And when I went down there to talk to them, they told me to get the bleep out of their office because I did not live there. And to me, 
my zip code should not dictate how I am treated. And that is something Dick Durbin has far gone neglected for the for years in East St. Louis. Well, I I admire your tenacity for going out for this because it can't be easy to go up no. against the, the machine because Dick Durbin's been in office for a while. He's an entrenched politician and he has a lot of, of connections. Uh, but I, I do see it's like a, a silver lining. It's a beautiful thing when... Uh, you know, a Harley riding woman with a permanent tan, you know, <laughs> comes on in and says, look, I've had enough of this. I'm going to mount a campaign. It's informational. It's also it's the, the American experience, which is that any person can be elected to government. Any American can unseat any other American out of office and make right. changes. And it's a grassroots effort. Um, I would be happy to have Senator Dick Durbin come on this program and talk to me about how he could be better or how he plans to improve in light of your candidacy. <laughs> uh, we will definitely reach out to him and offer him the opportunity to rebut you what you've said. Um, and, and definitely, in, in all of these things, I'm wishing you the best. Thank and you. I hope to see you again soon. Over Back back in Missouri, Illinois sides, we, we bump into each other yes, quite a bit we there. Do. And uh, it's really, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today and to bump into you here at CPAC. Well, I am, not only am I a biker, but I'm a former cop. I am a Navy veteran. I'm a grandmother of 18 and a mother of six. Mm, so. She's going to have to pray over me after the show, y'all. Because <laughs> y'all know my goal is, my, my dream is to have 20 grandkids. <laughs> when I meet someone who has 15 or 20 grandkids, I always just think, they need to pray over me. And I and note, all joking aside, I have had someone. He's like the, he mm -hmm. runs a big legal uh, organization but on the conservative side. He has twenty grandkids, and he prayed over me in the in the green room of a TV show we were going on. Honey, <laughs> I was like, because I, I want I want the grandkids. The reason why I ride the Harley is so I can get away from the grandkids. Hey, I've heard <laughs> stories about how you want them and then you get them and then you. You keep them for a few minutes and you give them back. And yes. that's what I'm talking about. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. That's in my, that's in my future. Peggy Hubbard, thank, thank you. you for joining us today. Thank you Good for Good luck with me. everything. Appreciate it. Thank you, sister. All right. So we have a few minutes left in this segment. And I'm actually, I can see Brandon Straka standing right across the wayside there with some camera. He's having some conversation. I think he was supposed to come on the program. I don't know if he's going to make it on because we just have a couple of minutes left here. Um, and I wanted to, we've already previewed for next week what's going on, or for tomorrow, what we're doing tomorrow. And I'm going to be here at CPAC still doing many, many more interviews. We'll be live just as we were today. If you are listening and you, you know, share the show, put it out there that we're doing this and that we have all of these different people coming on the program today. There, I want to give you some more information about what's going on at CPAC. We have the activism boot camps that are going on, um, fake news, quality journalism in a, in a fake news world, like Heritage Action. Um, also, stopping over, uh, stopping our Pelosi problem. These, these are like different rooms where you can have a boot camp where people are doing what they're doing. And then um, there's also emerging conservative policy issues. And I'm, I'm planning on, on Friday, I, I have... Um, time in the morning to get together and do some stuff. Some of the speakers from the general session, it'll be Glenn Beck, Candace Owens. Um, there's going to be a couple of panels, Byron York, Lisa Doftari, Buck Sexton, and there'll be others. Kellyanne Conway will be here, um, Jerry Falwell, and Donald Trump Jr. will be live from the CPAC stage at 1045 a.m., and then we have Katie Pavlich, Joni Ernst, and uh, Pete Hegseth is going to be here to moderate a, a conversation. 
And then there's going to be some information about the Middle East, conversations there, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll be doing all of that right here, right, right here from CPAC. And I'll try to get, if not some live streams, maybe some images that we can share online social media that you guys can get a chance to take a look at. And um, we will be having just so much fun. Yeah, actually, we're, we have a few minutes left in the segment. We're going to spend it with Deneen Borelli. I see her. Uh, she's making her way over. Um, Deneen Borelli has a show on CRTV. And she is someone that I've known I'm, almost since the beginning. One of the very first people that I met um, when I was doing some activism and doing some radio was Deneen Borelli. And she's just been amazing ever since then. Um, she's, I, I, we have to update ourselves on what exactly is going on. I know she's got a television program over at CRTV and, some, so, and, and lots of other things. She and Tom are now just joining us here. Deneen, thank you so much for being with us today. What's up, woman? A lot. It's my first time broadcasting from CPAC. You so. are just doing it all. I Well, I don't know about all, but I'm doing this. <laughs> so we have a few minutes left in this segment. I yeah. wanted to cover, first off, where are you now? What are you working on? What are you doing? Okay. Uh, I'm with Blaze TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it's Conservative Review and Blaze. They merged, mm-hmm. so it's now Blaze TV. And uh, I was a speaker here this morning at CPAC, which was really uh, awesome because it was a great crowd. And... Um, I've been here, I don't know how many years now, but uh, it's, real, it's a really great opportunity to have that platform, but also to see faces like you and all these other uh, folks here who travel and uh, just want to learn and get involved. Yeah, so we've, uh, what I've been surprised by is, of course, the same faces, like the familiar faces that I know, but then a lot of new faces. There are a lot of young people here that I either follow on Instagram or I see them a lot on the social media where they're the viral people. They're here too. So I see a new crop of incoming people who are really, they're movement oriented, they're activists, and they're fired up about this thing, you know, I, I feel like we're old. We've like been been here for a <laughs> Speak bit. Speak for yourself. Well, I and, and I and I will. I do. I sometimes I feel pretty old just because there's so much there's so much young energy here this time. Which and is it's great. beautiful. It I I'm enjoying it. But this goes against what we're told. We're told that this movement that we're in, we're both we both happen to have on red dresses today. That this movement is all about old white men. We're sitting here both with a permanent tan, both women, um, and both not new to this. And yet that's still the narrative. My tan is darker than yours. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but yeah, she, that's... She's got me by just a hair, I'd say. <laughs> but still, same tan. But yeah, that's, that's what the haters and the naysayers would say. You know, it's, it's just like you said, old white guys in the movement. And that's not the case. I mean, you and I have been doing this for many, many years now. Uh, you've made a lot of contacts. Uh, and thank you so much for all you do, first of all, before I forget, because you do a really good job, and I do appreciate everything that you do. Thank you. Uh, and, we've, and we've run into each other at different events, right, over it's the years. Been, I mean, I remember seeing you at uh, Smart Girl Politics, and yeah. Andrew Breitbart was talking, yes. and he took questions, and you stood up, and you gave this fiery comment. I was like whoa, who is that? And then we met after. So I was like, oh my gosh, she's so wonderful. And then we connected online and it's been, it's been, that's what it's been. It's been meeting, connecting, but still getting the work done. And I, I, I want to kind of segue over to your show over at the Blaze TV because I saw the huge announcement about the merger and I was really excited about that because I want to see more conservative outlets, especially with the people that I, that I love and respect at the helm doing the work. Um, what What is your show about there, and, and how can people find it? Well, sure. Folks can go to uh, blazetv.com, and they can also go to the Facebook page, 
and my Facebook page as well. And I have uh, my videos that come out. It's called Here's the Deal. Mm -hmm. And it's usually uh, the hot topics of uh, the week. Mm -hmm. And I try to educate and update people on and try to make it a little entertaining as well. It's a short video, so people won't get bored with it. Mm -hmm. But it's very informative, and uh, it would be great for folks to check it out. So I'm wanting people to do that. I want you to go over there and check out Deneen's content at Blaze TV, but also to share it because the shorter videos, the intent is viral. You send that out and you want people to see it who maybe wouldn't normally see it. So it's, of course, I'm going to enjoy it, but it's geared towards people who maybe they don't know why we oppose X or Y. Why, right. why do we care so much about the border? Why do we care so much about the swamp and draining it and getting, getting some semblance of order back in D.C.? You're explaining that. You're telling people in, in a short soundbite, this is why. And the point is for us to share it and get it out there so more people can understand where we're coming from and we can grow the movement. Um, I, I'm looking at your lineup. You're, you're jammed. Y'all you, have a lot of nice new faces over there. You have our standard bearers like yourself. Um, where do you see it going now that you've merged and you're this? It's kind, you're kind of bulky. You're kind of, kind of strong and you've got a nice stance going on there. Where, where are you guys headed? Just going up. Ah, I love it. I love it. Blowing up, as the young ones would say. Oh, yes, as the youth would say. <laughs> blowing up. Um, so the, you're, you'll be lit. Maybe that's. I like I'm not that sure too. if I'm using that I like correctly. That too. Perfect. <laughs> well, so Denise Borelli and Tom, who's smiling and and holding up the the holding up the background for Denise. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you and to see you. Um, and I just heard the one-minute warning from my producer. That's a whole show broadcast from CPAC. Well, what this if is the we don't want to cut in one minute? Who's well, that producer? It's, it's Devin. <laughs> and what he'll do is he'll be nice about it, but he'll just cut us off. He'll we'll still you, be Devin. talking. And when he'll cut us off, and we'll just be talking to each other. Um, I want to encourage everybody, if you're listening to us from anywhere. Good evening from the heartland. Thank you for making your home at American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Stacy Washington host of Stacy on the Right here. And I want to encourage you to hit the subscribe button at StacyOnTheRight.com. And I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, good night and God bless. We'll be again tomorrow. <laughs>